is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. It's time for the ODU Wrestling Monarch Mattcast. A show dedicated to all things related to the Old Dominion Wrestling Program. On the web at monarchmatcast.com. Now, here's your host, three-time National Wrestling Writer and Broadcaster of the Year, and 2004 ODU alumnus, Jason Bryant. Episode 71 of the ODU Wrestling Monarch Matcast. Today going down to Birmingham, Alabama, which is something I didn't think I'd ever say on this show, but we'll be talking with four-time conference champion, two-time All-American James Nicholson, who is the executive director of the Birmingham Wrestling Complex and a recent inductee into the ODU Sports Hall of Fame. Mr. Nicholson, been a while, man. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great, Jason. I'm glad you have me on. I'm just noticing immediately you've been down in the South. You went from from ODU to, to Chattanooga to Birmingham. We'll get to that that route in a bit. But you have developed yourself a Southern accent, my friend. <laughs> you know, when you're down here for, for three, four years, it kind of sneaks up on you. You can't really help it. So what, let's just talk about what you're doing right now before we get into your, your Hall of Fame career at Old Dominion. You've got a wrestling club down there in Birmingham. Uh, which was formerly known as the, the Stavia Wrestling Club. For anybody that, that pays attention to wrestling, they know that the Stavia Hills High School is one of the top programs in the state. Actually competed in the Virginia Duels in 1995, the very f- second wrestling event I ever saw the Stavia Hills competed at, the Virginia Duels. So there's 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 a history there. Coach Steve Gadosh there for a long time was a, was, a, was a big fan of Coach Gray Simons, who was running camps at Old Dominion back in the day before Steve Barton got the job. So there's there's some Old Dominion ties down there at Alabama. There's some history there, yeah. So I, the Christian Stabler was my contact down here. That's how I got linked up with uh, with the Vestavia Wrestling Club. And you know, one donor dropped a dropped a pretty penny on this place, and they really wanted to change the game uh, for the South. So you got a you got a boy from Iowa ending up in Birmingham, but that's not the story. The story is how the boy from Des Moines, Iowa, ends up in Norfolk, Virginia. So uh, before we even get to the recruiting process, uh, you know, when did when did you discover wrestling? And in the state of Iowa, I'm assuming it's got to be pretty early. Sixth grade, actually, it was it was late in the game for what most people uh, said, or what most people think. Um, I was a rambunctious kid. Kid, I was one of one of eight, and eight kids. Yeah, one, eight. Nickels. One of eight. One of eight. Yes, yes, one of eight, man. And uh, we, my uh, some family friends were like. Crying, twisting my mom's arms, like, "Oh, you need to get your boys into wrestling. Oh, you need to, yeah, you just they'll, they'll that they'll fit right in. That's like that's what that's what they got to do." And I, when I first started out, like, I don't remember my first three years to be honest. I really don't because I'm pretty sure I lost every match or a lot of matches just because I was so late in the game. And uh, I actually called my mom probably. Uh, about three or four months ago, I was like, mom, you got to tell me how, how this, how this went down, how this played out. She's like, yeah, you just hated losing. You hated it. Like you, you, you went in there and you tried so hard, but you, you just weren't accomplishing what you wanted to accomplish. So I think that was, I liked the challenge uh, of what wrestling provided. And I think that's why it stuck to me. And that's why I stuck to it. How much of the learning curve is, is, you know, kind of lessened when you're in an environment like Iowa, where, you know, you can throw a rock and hit somebody that's, that's, that's a stud. The, the learning curve, oh man, goodness, it's, 
It's rough. It was, uh, I think, I tell everybody this. I qualified for state when I was an eighth grader. So in Iowa, you have to qualify for state at the um, um, when you're in middle school. And they take the top four from the region. Well, I placed fourth uh, out of four people. <laughs> uh, so it's it's pretty stout. And that was a middle school state, right? That was middle school, yes. Yeah, because yeah. the reason I have to preface that is because some states out in the Midwest, you can wrestle varsity in the eighth, seventh and eighth grade, like Minnesota's yes. seventh and eighth grade. So I was traditional like Virginia, nine through twelve. Mm-hmm. That down here in Alabama, it's actually you could. I actually had a, a seventh grade wrestle varsity states this year, so he was one away from qualifying for state as a, I think a third year wrestler or, or been wrestling for four years. He's pretty stout, so. Um, it's pretty fun, but uh, yeah, up in, up in Iowa, it's nine to twelve. So what's what's the ideas of when you started realizing that you know what I, I want to wrestle in college? When did that start to enter the fray? Oh my goodness! Uh, when I realized like uh, we were poor and I needed a scholarship, <laughs> it was probably about my uh, freshman year. Right after I was I was eighty eight pounds as a freshman in high school, and I needed to pick a sport and obviously it wasn't football. I was still like, Oh, you know, I'm going to hit my growth spurt any minute. I'm going to, I'm going to hit, you know, 150, 160, and I'm actually, you know, be able to compete with some of these guys and, and it's just going to happen any minute. And then I think I got stiffed arm or I went to go stiff arm somebody. And then I realized my arm was like five inches shorter than them. And I got put to my butt. I felt like I broke my tailbone. And then I was like, maybe football's not for me. Maybe I should choose a different sport. Now, that was where the, that was kind of the turning point. And then, uh, I was 15 and 18 as a freshman. I was, you know, I was small. I was underweight. I got routinely bumped up to 112. Uh, so I can, you know, we could, we can have a, a, a trade off for the team. I was, I, I come off the mat one time crying, just like, cause I lost six to two cause I got bumped up and everybody's patting me on the back. And I'm just like, why, why are y'all patting me on the back? And I just didn't get it back then. It's like, I, I did something for the team, but it, that, that turning point was, was definitely uh, my sophomore or going to Fargo my freshman year and, and going out there in all American and Greco. And I was just like, okay, yeah, I could do this. This will be fun. Yeah, nice to for guys your own size because there are a couple weight classes that are that are sub one hundred pounds at the age group levels. Yes, I wrestled. I was a small fry. I wrestled ninety one, and that was cadets. So <laughs> that was uh, it. Was fun. I mean, you know, I learned. From, I learned from. We had a good camp. We had uh, Zach Dominguez coach us that year, and man, he was he was a Greco guy. I think he was on the ladder. He was third on the ladder that year, and then him him and his brother. So there was three of them. Uh, they they did a standout job with with us at the at the Iowa uh, Fargo camp. Yeah, no, Dominguez brothers known out of, out of Nebraska. Zach wrestled there, and then uh, Esai and Eli wrestled at uh, Nebraska-Omaha before they mm-hmm. unceremoniously dumped the program. Uh, yeah, Trevor Albert sucks. Now, as we get to <laughs> things that, that, that were kind of happening in Virginia at the time, Gray Simons, who was a coach at Old Dominion for 17 years, retired at the end of the 2003-2004 season. We often joke that that was that class that was part of my, my – I spent seven years in, as an undergrad, and that was the year I, I got out, and that was the year a lot of my other guys got out as grad students and such. And I think that was the time, Grace, that I've had it. These guys are out. I'm gone. Steve Martin gets the job 2004-2005 and immediately starts a, 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 a regime change, a program cleansing, so to speak. And you come in – in 2000, let's see, if I'm doing the math right, you get recruited 0506, you're a redshirt 0607, you start 0708. So take us through the process of, you know, getting on the radar for some of these schools and then what you first remember about uh, Lee Pritz and Steve Martin contacting you. So how I got on the radar was uh, 
but it was, pretty, it was the definitely winning state my senior year. I beat, I beat Nate Moore and uh, Lee Prince. Who had signed and, with Iowa, who was yep. number one or number two in the country at the time. <laughs> yes, he, he was uh, – he's pretty stout. And uh, we – you know, I – I put myself on the map after that. Had a, had quite a few coaches contacted me, but it was spring. It was late. I was a senior. Money was dried up, and uh, and Willie Gatson uh, gave a call to be Prince, and and I remember this story because Prince told me this <clears throat> after the fact. He goes, you know, Willie Gatson's only called me about three people in my lifetime, um, so. Obviously, as soon as he called me, I had to give you a call. So I talked to Pritz for about 45 minutes on our first recruiting call, first phone call. And we're, I'm 45 minutes into the conversation. I go, hey, hey, coach, um, is, is ODU D1? And he's like, yes, yes, it is. And I said, okay, you can, you can keep talking. <laughs> so, so that was kind of the, the, uh, my introduction and my, and how I got introduced to ODU and how I got pulled down there. And, you know, what, one thing that Pritz said to me <clears throat> that really, really stuck was, do you want to go to Iowa? Do you want to go to Iowa State? Or do you want to come out all the way to ODU and you want to be a part of something uh, upcoming and uh, and create something special here? And I was just like, I'm, I had that underdog mentality. I've been an underdog my entire life. I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. That sounds fun. So, and then I, next thing you know, I'm, I'm surfing on a, on a uh, recruiting visit down there. And yeah, that kind of locked me in. <laughs> And speaking about being the underdog where, you know, high school wrestling in Iowa was super good, but you know, there's power programs and, and while your high school program wasn't wasn't a power program, it wasn't chopped liver by any means. What was it like wrestling at Des Moines Roosevelt? Oh goodness. Uh so my senior year was uh it was nice. I mean we had I had Montel Marion. He was uh he was my workout part of my senior year and I, I had someone that, that picked me up after my sophomore year after I wrestled in the districts. Um I lost in the finals to a kid that this uh, Al Garrison trained for a, a real a decent amount of time, and he thought that guy was gonna just gonna mop me. Uh, his name was Morley, so he thought I was just gonna mop, get mopped up. It ended up being like five four, and right after that, they just, he pulled me into his, his office. Um, I had a meeting with him. My the family friends that had been trying to work with him for a, a very long time uh, got me linked up with him, and he he was a business or he was a. a uh, a, he was a lawyer downtown. He sent me down to this Oval Office, like a 12-seat Oval Office. And I'm sitting there, and he puts a contract in front of me. I'm just like, okay, this is a bit intense. Um, I don't – I mean – uh, but he's, he asked me to sign it and I signed it and he, he cut stops me midway through. He's like, I want you to know what you're, you're, you're signing up for. Do you know what you're signing up for? He's like, yeah. Well, did you read it before you signed it? It's not like the Apple terms of service. No, no, I definitely, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't read it. I was like, man, we're, you're, you coach some of the best. Like, so I was like, yeah, no, we're, we're going all in on this. And I mean, I kind of went off that deep end after my sophomore year. It was, it, he really changed the game for me. I mean, coach uh, Jay Groth was, uh, was a phenomenal coach. Um, <clears throat> in the room man he know he knows how to run a room he knows how to command a room man he knows how to organize and, and get the team behind him he, he knows how to uh, develop that camaraderie and that that wrestling family um and then al garrison really came in there and just fine-tuned some of some of my technique and really it, 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 it put, helped put me on the map you know because the amount of time he was he was uh willing to allocate towards me and my brother w- was insane I mean, I've never met another man that would, was willing to put that amount of time in. I mean, I, we, we worked for probably anywhere from two to three hours after practice for years. 
years, all the way up until my senior year. It's like, and then every single time I went back from in college, I, I always went back and spent about four or five hours with him, showing him everything that I learned that entire year, putting it on tape so that way he could pass it on to the to that next generation. It was, yeah, it, it put me on the map. And we look at getting to Old Dominion. Once you get there, and mm-hmm. that pro- that process and. What did you know about? Obviously, you stopped Pritz when he said, you know, you, you say, is it D1? They had to answer that question a lot that year. But also part of that class was some some guys like, you know, there was there was Chris Brown and, and LaShawn were in a previous class, some of early early classes by Steve Martin. And then you and Billy Chamberlain, he's a PA State champ. You're an Iowa State champ. And there's some – it's like, oh, no, are we, are we, oh, we're recruiting too much at the weight class. And then with what's there. And when you first showed up to Norfolk, what were your general impressions outside, you know, your surfing on your recruiting trip? Yeah, that's great. But once classes start, what were your impressions? My, my impressions were, uh, what did I just sign myself up for? Um, a lot of people want to ask me the question, what's the difference between high school and the Division One program? I said the intensity, uh, everything that you have in a, a high school program, at times at about 10, and that's what it is. They are shoving wrestling down your throat all day, every day, and you know, then you got to manage class your class load on top of it. It was, it was a, uh, it was a big learning curve. I mean, I struggled that, that, that first, you know, six, seven, I mean, I struggled my entire first year. I mean, I, in the room, in the wrestling room, uh, man, I was a robot. <laughs> People hated drilling with me. I was like, but I, I just worked hard. I mean, I get taken down 50 times by Christian Staler in a practice, but I'd still get up and turn right back in and pressure right back in. Uh, I don't know if it's because of, uh, because I was too stupid to know that I, I wasn't good and I need to slow it down or or I just wanted to win so bad that I was like, you know, I just got to go hard. I just, I don't, don't stop. Keep, keep pushing forward. It, and then the classroom, it, it, it was, to be honest, a lot of people said college was hard and difficult. I found it to be, uh, it was nice. Um, it I, I enjoyed the, the freedom, you know, not sitting in a classroom for eight hours a day and only having, you know, 12 hours. You go from sitting in a class or classroom, 20, 30 hours a week to going down to 12 hours a week, that that was nice. Um, I was able to have a lot more freedom and <clears throat> be a little bit more efficient with my time and allocate a lot more time towards wrestling. So the that that first semester, though, whew, goodness, yeah, the, just the stadiums alone nearly nearly scared away. They, they scared a lot of people away, to be honest. Yeah, and it's now a completely different stadium. Imagine what it would be like now. But what, when, one thing that's interesting about your career is, is you alluded to this that said, yeah, you know, we were poor. I needed to pay for college. You actually came in on academic money, so you actually followed the model that most student-athletes or college students should do anyway is get the grades in high school. You can pretty much pick your spot academically. You know, it, it, that I went from having a, uh, a 20 on the ACT to like, ooh, I need to get that up. That's not good, uh, to having a 27 and taking it, my, taking it the second time. And that really, really, really helped uh, with admissions and and getting academic money. You know, uh, Coach Coach Martin and uh, you know he set up a meeting with me and the one of the the, the admissions lady. Um, I, no, I forget her name, but she she was she was lovely. She was sweet, and she said, "Oh, okay, we'll we'll give you the scholarship." And you know, when when we first when we first sat down, it was we were only talking like about five thousand dollars worth of academic aid a year, which is 20, 20 grand. I was like, that's, that's a decent chunk. Heck yeah. Well, it ended up being uh, 44,000, uh, over the course of four years. And I was just like, Ooh, that's a, I, I was ecstatic when I showed up and I saw that. I mean, I, I didn't even know about it. I didn't even know about it until I stepped on campus. So it's one of those things again, is that, is that a lesson you kind of teach your kids today? You know, everybody's, a lot of these parents are like, ah, oh, D1 scholarship, D1 scholarship will 
D1 wrestling scholarships, there are very, very rare full rides and opportunities to get academic money. Yeah. I mean, even Division Three is non-scholarship athletically, but there's plenty of academic scholarship money at D3 schools, for example. Yeah, I'm, that's one huge component uh, that's uh, about my club that I pitch. You know, it's as as hard as you work in the room, it has to be matched by with the classroom. It really does. And if if you if a coach isn't hammering that home, they're not doing their due due diligence to the community. I had a kid go from a uh, having a tutor and his dad spending four hundred dollars a month in in lessons and and getting help academically to all of a sudden having season B's, no tutors, nothing, all the way to straight A's, no tutors, nothing. Like no help, just just the from what he learned in the room and the work ethic that he learned, just go home and do your work and it'll be taken care of. Wrestling's a privilege. That's what people need to understand. Sports are a privilege. Uh, you're if you're doing it and you're doing it and you're putting all your eggs in that basket, it's that's not a it's not a smart risk to take. We look at what you learned in the room your freshman year is we look at the ladder that year. Christian Staler was there. Kyle Hutter was there. You were third deck. You lost both your, both your inter-squad matches your first time out. You're an Iowa State champ. I mean, was that kind of – I mean, yeah, you can you, you get in the room and you know what, what that matchups are like. And you put the single on, you're actually having a real match. Was was that kind of a sobering experience for you? Oh, you have no idea. Oh, my gosh. It was, it was a rude awakening. It was like, man, is this for me? Is this for me? I was like, or, or I mean, I, to me, to be honest, I really never thought of that. I was like, man, I, 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 Kyle Hutter beat me 11 and two. He mopped my face across the bat. And that's, you know, that's one of my best friends. I mean, and it, it was, it was, um, it was humbling. It was like, okay, I've got to work harder. Uh, I've got to, I've got to make some changes. I've got to be, I've got to be in the room after the fact, you know, coach Martin really, really helped out that year i mean he i think he took me underneath the wing and i think he spent more time with me than any other athlete at odu that i've in my in my nine years that i was in virginia like he he pulled me underneath his wing and he he helped me out tremendously i mean because I was, I was willing to work and so one thing that i learned from you know growing up it's like I was, I was just a workhorse i wasn't the best always but if if you tell me to work i'm gonna listen and i'm gonna do it we look at the dynamic of, of what happens with that roster. You know, uh, you end up sliding in there at 25, then Hutter's up to 33. You know, can, we still haven't celebrated Ricky Bobby night with Kyle Hutter. Polano and I have been talking about doing that for years. But And then, and then some, some walk-on guy from Pennsylvania comes in and ends up winning the spot named Ryan Williams, who's eventually an NCAA finalist. And, and that, that lineup, that murderer's row of 25, 33, 41 that you guys had, what was it like to, to start that that you know, dual meet off in that manner. Jason, I just got goosebumps when you said that. I mean, I don't know. This is, it was pretty insane. Like just, just hearing that uh, brings back a ton of memories. You know, there was Ryan Williams' dad. Uh, he, he always, every single time I see him, man, murderous row, murderous, murderous row. He's, it's, uh, Mr. Williams was, uh, he was, he was awesome. But I remember a story that Ryan shared with me a while back of going into Okie State's room. This, this place is completely oranged out. Stands, you know, it's, it's packed. There's, there's several thousands of fans in the stands. And all of a sudden, ODU steps out during the map. Me starting off versus OB Blanc. Boom, I win. Boom, Kyle Hunter wins. Boom, Ryan William wins. You know, we have an, a, a, an Olympian or Olympic gold medalist on the other, ban- <laughs> other bench, and we got the crowd just, you can hear a 
a pin drop in that gym when they were down 9-0. They're like, ODU, where, where's ODU from? What the heck are they doing? <laughs> that it, it was, I really enjoyed kicking off uh, and starting off that murderous row and, and getting everybody started and getting the momentum going. You know, one thing that people don't understand wrestling is a team sport and and that that momentum you generate from the 25 pounder to the 33 and on up it's it's it can carry a, a team into a win easy yeah i mean yeah. and joey was and joey metzer was right there yeah. i mean it was overtime right there i mean it could almost take i remember reading the message boards during that duel and cowboy fans were melting down they're like, we should never lose three matches to Old Dominion. And then what's interesting is later in the year, Jesse Strawn ended up pinning Clayton Foster at the <laughs> at the national tournament, whereas that, that match was reversed. So if you look at things in a perfect world, it's like, man, I mean, it was like the best matchup ever for, for ODU Oklahoma State. Now, granted, you kind of, you guys kind of like spent everything there because uh, the Oklahoma match the next day or day yeah. after that was was not so not so hot. But when you look at the opportunity, you're like, Man, you went in, and, and that's one thing that I, I will remember about that team is is you won three straight in Gallagher Iba against the most storied college wrestling program in history, and uh, yeah, nobody they were ready to fire John Smith after one forty one. It was crazy. I mean, that might be a little bit hyperbole. They're not going to fire John Smith, but it was like. What is going on here? Mutiny. Mutiny. They're like, where's this? What are they doing over there in Virginia? <laughs> Man. So your freshman year, you get to the show, and this is a tough weight in the conference. It's Steve Mittich from Drexel, Dave Thomasette from Hofstra. You and Mittich are freshmen. You guys would have a couple battles throughout the course of your careers. And, of course, Hutter had a lot of battles with him. And I, it was the, the, the triangle. And back in the day, the CAA seating was so janky. Uh, you ended up getting the one seat, even though that was up for discussion. You had beaten Thomasette twice, and that was pretty much what ultimately did it. And you you won the conference. You end up winning it four times. And going into nationals, you're the ten seed. You beat, I believe it was what Mike Sees from Bloomsburg was a seven seed, right? And you got you got you got the quarters, and then you've got Raleigh Peterkin from Penn in the blood round. You were down four one late in the third period. Take us through that that scenario. You talk about reaching deep. You know, he had uh, it, it is he had a minute and twenty seven or a minute twenty four seconds of riding time when I got out. I believe I think it, I it was in the third, and I was doing some Gramby rolls. Like one thing he did is he picked me up, and the, his coaches they did a, a standout job scouting. They they knew we were they knew we were Gramby guys, and he picked me up, and he knew how to return. He, he I, but I I didn't care. I was like, nope, I'm getting out. I've got to get out. This is my only way. Uh, I end up basically spiking myself uh, and tucking my shoulder and giving myself a nice herniated disc in my neck because of it. Um, and taking injury time right after that. But as soon as, as soon as I got back up, I was like, I looked at the clock. I was like, okay, four two, four two. I mean, I got to take him down uh, with about thirty seconds left. I I need to get this done. So I mean, I kept pressing forward, pressing forward. I just jam- as soon as I got my underhook, and I was like, ooh, ooh, this 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 is your time. This is your time. I I eventually scored. I, I came in. I tossed the boot in. I remember it was like like it was yesterday, and. I get the boot in. They throw up the two hand. Uh, I glance over, and there's. I took him down with 27 seconds left. So he had 57 seconds of riding time. Otherwise, otherwise I would have had to cut him again and get another takedown, uh, or, or or try for a turn or something. But we go into overtime and. 
you know, he's panicking a little bit just because I came back from this, you know, from a huge deficit, you know, in that third period. And uh, he, he kind of dove in a little bit and I backhanded him and got around behind him. And as soon as, as soon as they threw up that two and blew the whistle, man, oh, goodness gracious. I had so much joy, like, and, and passion and everything. Just so many, so many emotions all at once just poured through. It's like all the work that you put in, all the work from high school, all the work that you did uh, as a redshirt, all the work that you did uh, that year as a freshman. And to be, a, you know, to get on the podium as a freshman that's that was uh it was it kind of it kind of changed ODU's eyes and you know uh, but some of these kids some of these guys that, that were working um you know they started to believe in themselves and they said no we can do this we can def we can definitely do this so you know it really helped get get the things going for the ODU program um you know and I, I just remember my my younger brother John he ran past like three security guards back in the tunnel to to give me a hug and that, that was seriously that's one of my most uh, that's my favorite. My actually, that's my standout memory from ODU is, is that moment right there is, is having him, you know, come and congratulate me and you know looking up to me as a as a younger brother. It was it was just awesome. Such a great experience, and I was I'm blessed to <laughs> I was blessed to you know have that happen. You know, it was it was it was wonderful. Because the year before, and you know, as as an alum and being in the media, I've got to pretty much be impartial. Uh, at least visibly, you know, uh, you've got your rooting interests, and mm -hmm. I can you can see that a little bit now on Twitter, where you know I'll I'll, I'll, you know, I'll retweet the uh, the monarch stuff, of course, my clients. But the year before, Staler is beating Matt Keller from Chattanooga, and in the same type of situation, although he's he's up, but he's riding time against, and you know I'm sitting there, I'm 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 I think I was working for Interman at the time, I can't remember exactly, but I'm sitting there and I'm stone faced at the top of the desk, but underneath the desk, my feet are like underneath the table. And I'm just like, we had not had an all American since 1995 when Nick Hall placed at heavyweight. He actually was, was an assistant coach for a short time uh, in the old administration, but sitting there and then Keller gets the takedown. And then all you gotta do is bail out. You got overtime. Nope. Nope. Gets caught on his back. It was just like, and this, 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 this letdown of, you know, as an alum, you're sitting here like, you'd, I'd never seen an All-American from ODU when I was a student. So it was like, and then I remember the flash forward the next year, there you are out there in overtime, and Todd Hibbs is the announcer at the time. And I remember he went, Old Dominion with an All-American. Like, it was like, who the heck are these guys? So that was one of the cooler things I remember from that. Now, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that moment. People like, okay, you're an All-American as a freshman. People expect you to do that. Okay, you've done it once. You could do it again. What were the struggles in trying to repeat for the next two years? You know, the, the my sophomore year, it was like, okay, I got on the podium. And, it, you know, there's an interview on Flow, and I hate every single time you search James Nicholson wrestling, that's the, one of the first things that pops up. I hate it. Uh, I kind of got complacent a little bit. It's like, okay, I got to the show. I'm the man, you know. And, and I would just – I didn't stay hungry. I didn't. I didn't put my foot to the gas pedal as much as I did. I kind of let off a little bit, and, and that, that's really, really difficult to admit as a competitor. Um, you know, it's it's that's it's it just you know I was kind of plagued with injuries, ha had some you know some low ankle or some high ankle sprains, some some back issues, and you know some shoulder issues from jamming in so many underhooks, and it, it's it's like it, you're, it wears on your mind a little bit, um, <clears throat> but. You know, go to my junior year. Junior year, same thing. You know, I had uh, I had uh, I wrestled the Central Michigan kid that year. Uh, he was he was ranked in the top ten as a, as was I, and we went to a barn burner of a match. Uh, was that the Midlands? You're talking Scotty Sentes? Uh, no, not Sentes. Uh, that was um, uh, oh crap, I forget. 
I forget this guy's name. Um, not Scotty. Uh, it was the guy that that w- took that won a lot of points, that won a lot of matches going on into OT. He was really good about keeping it close and neutralizing a lot of offense from the other guy. Real defensive wrestler. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I come off the mat. I just I reached my my. Uh, I think Sentez bumped up to thirty three that year. Um, it eventually be Peter Kid in the blood round. Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah. uh, Raleigh's a, Raleigh's a great guy, but man, right. he had that. Uh, all right, I'm going to look this up because I don't like not knowing names. So you keep telling the story, and I'll get the Central Michigan name here in a second. So, so we we have a barn burner match, and it goes to I think the the, the third uh, third sudden victory or, or fourth sudden victory, and I I eventually get out and uh, Matt Steintrager. Yes, yeah, Steintrager. Okay, goodness. Uh, and I get off that mat, and I go I go to cool down. I was like, man, I just I, I went to go you know roll out my shoulder. I was like, man, that kind of hurts. Uh, you know, I put some ice on. I didn't really think too much of it, and the next. Next morning, I woke up and I couldn't lift my arm two inches off my my leg, <clears throat> and that was you're talking about four weeks or before uh, before NCAs and two weeks before conferences. I was pretty distraught. That was, um, you know, I. I you know, looking back, I, I, I stayed, that was the first year, um, or, you know, when you talk about depression, I, mean, I was extremely depressed. I thought my season was over. I went full meltdown mode. I literally stayed in bed the entire day. I didn't go to class. I didn't do anything. I didn't even go to practice. And I got Coach Martin. He came over to came over to my room. He walks in the room. He goes, Nicholson, what are you doing? And I went, what do you mean? He's like, hurt. He's like, I can't do anything. He's like, well, then you need to go to the training room. <laughs> it was just a simple conversation with my coach. He kind of he kind of put my uh, put my mind back on track, and you know I started getting get going to hit the training room every day, hitting the bike, you know, kind of rehabbing that as best as I could. And you know, you you go into the national tournament, and you 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 don't really have a you, you I wasn't on the mat like I think I was on the mat I think maybe a week or two. Uh, going in, going in, or uh, like three or four times going before conference, and then maybe like maybe a week or two. Like not, I mean, I wasn't hitting it hard those two weeks, but you know, I was c- kind of conserving. And and then I got to NCAs, and I'm wrestling the, the Purdue kid, and man, I get I get super ducked with like four seconds left on the, I think the the first match. <laughs> that was just a rough year, man. Just like, plagued with injuries and. You know, just mine wasn't in the right spot. And June senior year, I was like, nah, this is not happening again. I've got to find my way back on that podium. This is not, uh-uh, no, I can't, no, no. I mean, I I woke up every single morning for four straight years, you know, staring at 2000, whatever year it was, 2008 uh, or 2000, 2008, 2009, uh, uh Division one, 125 pound national champ. You know, I, every single day staring at that in the mirror. You know, and and looking at it, and making sure I believed it that I could do it. And, you know, it's it's uh, I had a lot of work. You know, so I mean, it's just I, I needed to get back on that. <laughs> one of those names that have come through and's always been kind of a pain in your ass was a guy from Minnesota named Zach Sanders. You wrestled him in Fargo. You wrestled him in the Southern Scuffle. You wrestled him in the Nationals. You wrestled him at the All-Star Classic. And, I mean, you did pick him off once in college, but he's one of those guys that would, like, never quit. And it's like you'd be winning the match, and he he just found ways to win. How frustrating was it to wrestle a guy like Sanders? You know, it, it extremely frustrating. Um, you know, I, I cut a decent amount of weight, uh, it, and it really crippled me because a lot of people thought I was like, oh, man, he's gassed, he's gassed, he's gassed. It's like, put us in a practice room. I was like, man, it, it, it would – I would be – I think it would be a little different. But, you know, that's that's part of the sport. That's part of uh, – that's, that's part of the sport. Weight cutting is part of the sport. you got to make the weight. 
So, you know, I just, I, he was saying, yeah, he was a huge thorn on my side, man. He, me and him, we clashed back and forth, but I'll tell you one thing. I always got the first one or two takedowns. <laughs> um, he always got the, the, this, um, at, at the all-star classic, uh, he, you know, I got, I got two takedowns and then in the first, and then I wasn't sitting or anything, but I was still pushing forward, but he, man, he's, he moves well. He's been wrestling since he was five. Man, he's got really good misdirection. He's got, got good Greco. He's, he's really good in battling out of my underhook stuff. So he couldn't, I, I, I would try to force some of my underhooks. And he you know, he just really knew how to uh, put the foot to the gas pedal. And, you know, it's a, maybe I just didn't know how to uh, to wrestle back then or, or game plan for a, a guy like that. You know, I, I, I but, you know, I was, it's, it is what it is. I mean, he's a standout guy. He's still competing. I mean, I love watching him wrestle. He's he's awesome. One of the unique things about wrestling is is back in in when the NCAs were in Philadelphia, a guy named Anthony Robles won the NCAA title for Arizona State. Tremendous story. Born without a leg. You had an opportunity to wrestle Robles early in your career. In a weird circumstance, the match actually was thrown out from counting in the records because the tournament didn't do a skin check. So all those matches were thrown out. So eventually that loss didn't hurt you in the seating that year, but he did kind of pick up the victory there. And, and what was it like wrestling a unique guy like Anthony Robles? You know, I'll tell you what, don't let him grab your wrist. <laughs> Ask Zach Sanders the same question. Man, don't let him grab your wrist. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, once he gets it, man, it's really, diff- it's really difficult to get it back. Um, you know, and then and then when you're wrestling him and, and you pull him down in front of headlock, you're okay, okay, I just got to go to this side. And you go to grab something, you're like, oh, crap, there's not a leg there. What do I grab? So it, it, you had a, the game plan. I, I game planned him for him uh, very, like, a lot my senior year. And having a, a one match underneath my belt when uh when I was a freshman that really really helped out to uh, helped you know it's it's um it's hard to game plan for someone when you don't have any experience out there you know as soon as as soon as I was out there I, I remember every every moment of okay when I chase the corner uh, and I go to grab a normally I grab an ankle normally I grab a leg or grab the hamstring or something I was like man I got to go to the hip now and he does a really good job of sitting through and pulling that arm over and then uh and if that happens you can't you can't come in and toss in a leg afterwards because there's no leg there to toss it in on so it, it, it was it's extremely difficult man he's but don't let him have your wrist don't let him have your wrist <laughs> looking through that senior year you go in as the four seed you're upset by ben care from utah valley who's again got a unique story in, in his own he actually ended up wrestling robles in the semifinals dropping down you've got to beat alan waters jerron garnett nick bedleyon just to place and looking back, you know, you know, retrospectively, we can see that, oh, those guys had killer careers. That was a monster draw. What was it like? Go, you know, your senior year, you get upset and you're like, crap, I'm in the same position I was the previous two years. What, what possessed you not to lose or at least hit that podium that senior year? Will. Sheer will. Because, you know, I'll tell, I tell a lot of people, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't the best at the weight, but I'll tell you what, I was probably one of the toughest. Um, now I was ready for battle at all times. I was, I never released. I mean, people asked me, uh, if I wanted to compete in the all-star classic and I said yes, both times. And those, it was like four and five days before. I mean, we just talked about the, the Okie state, um, trip earlier and then wrestled in Oklahoma. Well, what was unique about that? I basically had a, a, uh, three day weigh in at scratch, uh, in a row. So I wrestled Okie state Saturday, Oklahoma Sunday. And then I flew out to the all-star classic on and wrestled Falk from Iowa on Monday. <laughs> Uh, it was it was packed. <clears throat> and do you, what, what's unique about that is I remember when you got the call because you were the first one 
to wrestle in the All Star Classic from Old Dominion. Do you know since when? Oh goodness, man! Uh, uh, you, <laughs> no, I do not. Deb, please tell me. <laughs> Nineteen seventy, guy named oh, Wayne Bright. Do you know who Wayne Bright wrestled in the All Star Classic? Who did Wayne Bright wrestle in the All Star Classic? Dan Gable. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so the last guy to compete in the All Star Classic from Old Dominion before you was Wayne Bright, who wrestled Dan Gable. Now Wayne is also an interesting trivia question because we all know that's the year that Gable lost to Larry Owings in the finals. The trivia question is, who is the last man Dan Gable beat in college? And the answer is Wayne Bright for two different reasons. One, it was the NCAA semifinals that year. And two, the All-Star Classic was after the season that year. So it was the same guy. So Wayne Bright is the correct answer for two different reasons. Wow. That's that's, yeah. that's crazy trivia. I like that. Well, now, and then you got the opportunity to go back ne- the next year. Well, well, first of all, what did it mean to represent ODU at the All-Star Classic? Because you wrestled Charlie Falk from Iowa. We had touched on your match with Sanders. But what did that event mean for ODU? It it put us on the map. You know, it's uh, you talk about uh, uh, something that's aired nationally and uh, put on by the National Wrestling Coaches Association. It's it was a huge honor to be a part of. So of of course, when Coach Martin said, "Hey, do you want to do this?" It's it's you know it's it's right after this. And I said, "Well, I mean, do do I get a pound?" They're like, "He's like, no, you got to make scratch." And I was like, "Well." Isn't the isn't the tournament at the end of the year three days? And he's like, yeah. It's like, all right, well, let's do it. <laughs> I was like, I, I gotta try it. It was uh, it put us, it got us more exposure, and it got us more out in front of the com- the community. It got us out in front of the, the wrestling uh, community and got put put ODU kind of on the map uh, or, or or start starting something. Now, like I said, I wanted to I wanted to really contribute, do my part uh, as a competitor and help help. Do help in any way I can. That's really one thing I knew knew how to do is just put my put my time, my wrestling shoes on, and step up in the mat and do what I can do. Win or lose doesn't matter to me. I mean, I'm I'm just thankful to compete. Any added pressure being from Iowa wrestling a Hawkeye in that environment? Um, you know, no. Uh, he uh, he had great he had great offense. You know, my freshman year, he was uh, I was I still had a lot to grow. I still had a, still had a lot to learn. I knew how to wrestle. I knew how to slow the match down. Um, several of the kids that I wrestled, they they were better than me technically. They really were. Um, but I knew how to frustrate. I knew how to frustrate them. And I knew how to get underneath their skin. Um, I had a, I had a decent underhook, and a lot of people, uh, oh, this kid's from ODU. Who, who is he? You know, so like I, I got taken for granted for a little bit. So, um, you know, but he was in on my legs quite a bit, and there, there wasn't any added added pressure. To be honest, I was like, I was like, all right, now I got to go prove to these guys why they should have recruited me. And it didn't work out for me, but yeah, I mean, give me another chance, it might. Back in October, you were inducted into the ODU Sports Hall of Fame, joining uh, Gerald Lee, Sharice Grant, and Carlos Mendez. Now, I was at ODU with Sharice Grant and Carlos Mendez, so I remember uh, them playing on their particular sports. What did you know about the class coming in prior to your induction? No. Uh, Gerald Lee, I mean, yeah, I remember watching him play some play ball he was he was a competitor you know and i i don't know much about the other two i said but i i knew gerald lee he was what 2010 i believe yeah, he was in there he was in that range let me look at yeah. the I'll, I'll pull up the bio yeah oh six to ten yeah. He was, uh, yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was, a, you know, Odie had a great basketball team when I was going through. Uh, Kent Bazemore plays for the Blackhawks, I believe. Blackhawks uh, is the hockey team. It's, it's, oh, that, it was the oh, Hawks. <laughs> oh, it's my bad. Oh, goodness. Yeah, see, this, that shows you how much I know about basketball. <laughs> well, I was, 
it's it's expected. Yeah, you mixed up two indoor arena sports. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but at but least you knew who Baysmore was. I follow yeah, him on Twitter. I know who Baysmore is. Yes, uh, he's you know, and uh, I, I I actually you know being all American in that year helped me uh, you know secure my spot as uh, the the MVP for ODU that year uh, or the the most talented athlete to to come out of sports in 2011 so um being inducted into the hall of fame and that was a huge honor it was it was kind of eye-opening i never i never looked back or never in my journey once said okay uh this this is my plan this is what i'm gonna do uh and i'm gonna be inducted to the hall of fame uh you know so to be rewarded for what i did nearly a decade ago that was it's it was it was a huge it was huge to be a part of and it's huge for my career down here in uh in alabama it helped helped go oh oh Oh, he's coaching where? So it, it, it helped catapult my career down here a little bit. Yeah, one thing with the identification, because a lot of with, – without growing up in Virginia – you know, I grew up in Virginia, so I had ODU season uh, basketball season tickets, men's and women's basketball. You know, I'd, I'd been familiar with, with the sports programs. But coming from outside and not really knowing anything about ODU before you got there, what did you learn to appreciate about Old Dominion athletics as a whole during your time? Field hockey, they were their king. They they were uh, they they were the sport when I when I got there and I, when I when I'm, I'm from Iowa so I mean the field hockey doesn't really exist or didn't exist um, I just didn't know much about it same thing with lacrosse it's like so I mean there was there was a lot of respect for some sports that I just I didn't know a lot about uh, you know the, the athletics uh, the amount of passion that, that the administration puts into the sports and the community that puts into the sports and into the facility and that's why I was so ecstatic when they started up uh, football. It's like they they need to keep some of these kids that are in the Hampton area here at ODU, um, you know, because there's talent. There's talent right in the state. You know, you know, ODU athletics has been on the rise ever since. Going back in time to to talk about that first call with Pritz, and then there's the introduction to Steve Martin, who you said uh, took you under his wing for for a lot of that first season and, and during your time in Virginia. Steve's a hard guy to get to know, and he's he looks very abrasive from the outside. What did you learn more about Steve Martin during your time there that people that you wish more people would know about? I'll tell you what, um, you know, he doesn't. I describe him like wine. He's he's it's not for everybody, but for the people that that like wine, he he can really he can really take you and turn you into a competitor. He can really turn you into a phenomenal athlete. I was drilling with him. He, I was probably one of the one one of the last athletes he drilled really really hard with. Um, and at one point he, he returned me or did something. I kind of tweaked my knee a little bit and, uh, he said, Oh, are you okay? And like, all of a sudden I just saw emotion from him and he's really good about hiding, hiding his emotion, uh, from his, from his, uh, his pupils basically. And, you know, when I saw that, I was like, okay, he does care. He, he really does care. And that just, that's all I needed. That's all I needed to, uh, to know that he cared about me uh, as an individual and as, as a human being and not just as a competitor. Um, you know, he, he lives, eats, breathes the sport of wrestling. And he's, he's a, been a huge component in changing the game. Over you. Now, as far as what you're doing now down in Alabama, explain the uh, Birmingham Wrestling Complex. How you ended up down here? You had alluded to that, that Christian Stater had it, but uh, you 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 had gone from there before there. You were in Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. So I uh, I was coaching for Baylor School up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, is a prep school. Uh, uh, and Christian Stater was down here, 
uh, and they, I, I knew they were building something. I knew they were building a complex uh, strictly for wrestling. There was, uh, there was a, a, you know, this they they pumped a, a ridiculous amount of money into a a ten thousand square foot facility, and the way they were structuring it is was going to make it super, uh, super not super easy, but they were going to make it. They they wanted to eliminate a lot of obstacles that a lot of coaches have with fundraising. Um, so in, instead of my focus being shifted to to fundraising, I was allowed to uh, I'm allowed to basically focus strictly on wrestling and not not have to worry about um, some of those other things. I mean, we got I got a 4,500 square foot of mat space, two full size mats. Um, you know, we, we have other things besides wrestling to help support the program. So we have like a women's box that I moved an MMA gym in here. Um, I'm, and I'm doing other things. We've got, we've got a study room that my assistant, Emron Galizeta is starting up and he's really, he's really, uh, he started up a tutoring company and, uh, we're, we're, we're we're diversifying uh, this place, not just in wrestling. So we're not strictly focused on wrestling. We're making it a, a more of a community center and trying to build up the community. And just w- when you do that, you give back to the community, the, the community will give back to us. So what's the future hold for James Nicholson? Future? Man, I'm going to be in wrestling for a long time <laughs> until I can't walk, <laughs> basically. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I really enjoy the club coaching. This, this, this is my third year down here. The, you know, it's, it's difficult for a coach. Uh, you know, every single day I'm just like, man, do, do, do I want to do it again? Do I want to put another, another year? And the reward I get from it, seeing the, seeing the kids come off the mat, win or lose, you know, the amount of, the amount of change I see in them uh, from, a young athlete to all the way up to the high school to when they leave high school. This is, it's, it's something that, uh, that you can't ever take away. You the, the, the measurement. It's, there's no money, there's no money, monetary measurement. You can't, it's, it's the amount of change that you have and the impact you have on the younger generation. And as long as I'm keeping doing that, as long as I have an impact, a positive impact, I'm going to keep on doing it for as long as possible. How can people keep up with what you're doing right now? Go follow us on uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's at, at the BW Complex. Uh, that's uh, we do summer camps down here. We do uh, we do wrestling down here. We we bring on. Uh, I'm bringing in Joe Dubuque uh, from Princeton. He's coming in for a camp June one through the third, and I'm bringing in uh, Matt Storniolo, Matt Storniolo from the Northwest or from Northwestern, uh, and he's coming in doing a camp at the end of June. Uh, I'm really trying to change the game down here. Bring uh, bring something down to Alabama that um, they they just haven't seen. So I'm putting wrestling on the map down here. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.